0: Haggai hey is a short little book. It consists of only two chapters, but it is an important book. Let's remind ourselves where we are. We've had centuries of prophets confronting unfaithfulness, broken covenant with God, idolatry, and injustice. In 587 BC, Babylon destroys Jerusalem and takes the people into exile. And yet there is still a hope for a remnant and a new Jerusalem. In 520 BC, Now, the time of Haggai, the Babylonian Empire has collapsed. The Persian Empire has risen into power and they're ruling now. And in the second year of King Darius's rule is where we find ourselves. The Persians allow the Israelites to go home. Their high priest is Joshua. Their civic leader is Zerubbabel, who is from the line of David, um, and this overlaps with Ezra's chap- Ezra chapters 1 through 6 that tells the story to which Haggai is speaking. The book of Haggai, even though it's two chapters, has four sections. And the four sections were delivered as sermons or speeches over the course of four months. In chapter 1, verses 1 through 15, Haggai addresses their misplaced priorities. They're working on their own homes instead of working on God's home. He equates this with the covenant unfaithfulness of their ancestors. So he makes this a big deal. This is covenant rebellion. And he quotes the covenant curses from Deuteronomy. The people respond and they start rebuilding the temple, which we read about in Ezra chapter 5. In chapter 2, we find ourselves about a month later. In verses 1 through 9, he addresses their shattered expectations. The temple they are rebuilding is just nowhere close to the grandeur of the temple that Solomon built. It's entirely unimpressive. The moral law is, um, morale is low for finishing this temple because it's just not all that pretty or impressive. But Haggai encourages them and reminds them using a new Jerusalem vision. He cast the vision again for this remnant that will eventually be glorified and restored. This is the time of new beginnings and small things, and don't despise it. We do the best we can now. And he uses and draws on the vision of Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 9 and in chapter 60 through 62. He also leans pretty heavily on Micah chapters 4 and 5. As we move into um, Haggai 3, or the third section, excuse me, of Haggai, which is chapter 2, verses 10 through 19, we're now two months later from the last one and he gives a call to covenant faithfulness. There's a conversation that occurs here about ritual, ritual purity. And he says that unless the people purify themselves, the temple that they build will be impure as well. Um, he draws these ideas from the book of Leviticus, that if you are impure. If you've been defiled by touching something impure, then other things that you touch become impure because you've touched them. So there's a transfer of impurity. Uh, We also believe that there's a transfer of righteousness, particularly us from Christ to us. But he applies that now to their building of the temple. You can't just build the temple. You have to build yourselves as well you must purify yourselves so that our worship and our building of the house of God will be pure. He challenges them to realize that only true repentance and covenant faithfulness will result in the coming of the kingdom and the blessings that they desire. The future, therefore, is in their hands. They get to decide whether they will have the realization of what they have been promised. This challenge is very similar to the one that Moses laid before the people, before the wilderness generation that he led. Um, Haggai now becomes the ruler of the exile generation. So he's continuing in the tradition of Moses. Moses led the wilderness generation. Haggai leads the exile generation. You can take a look back at Deuteronomy chapter 30, where they are given the choice to obey and be blessed or disobey and find themselves ruined. Then we have the fourth section of Haggai, which is chapter 2, verses 20 through 23, where at the same time, so this happens immediately after the third section, and we have a vision of the future, the hope of God's kingdom. There's a new Jerusalem, which is the center of God's new international kingdom. Zerubbabel represents the hope of David's line, of the messianic king that would come out of um, David's line. And will they be faithful and experience the fulfillment of these promises? Um, And to know that, we will have to read Zechariah and Malachi because we kind of end with this speech and this challenge. Our choices matter. The obedience of God's people is part of how God works in the world. It should motivate us to know that we are instruments of God's will. It should motivate us to action and also keep us humble. Um, I'm going to back up, go back through the chapters and cover them again. I know that makes it hard for note-taking. But in chapter one, verses one through 11, things have been hard. And Haggai says that that's because they have neglected God. And there are two issues for him here the reconstruction of their priorities and their material poverty. The latter, their poverty, is portrayed as being the divine discipline for the former, which is their priorities being out of line. In verses 12 through 15, Hey guy has a word for them, um, and their work begins because they heat it. It takes them a couple of weeks. We see to organize and get it launched. In chapter two, um, we get, we have like, like a timeline of dates. In the first chapter, all of those verses one through fifteen all happen about the sixth month, the first day. Moving into chapter two, we're in the seventh month. The 21st day. So we're about almost two months later. So it's a, almost to about a month, between one and two months later. The work, this is after the work starts. The, the questions of verse three reveal Haggai's empathy with the people. He, he too understands that it's not impressive. It's not like Solomon's grand temple that was built 500 years earlier, but it'll be the best they can possibly do. And God will fully restore the glory and the splendor one day, which uh, Haggai uses the phrase in a little while. It'll all be that way. In verse 9, Haggai says that it'll be even greater than before. So it, this glory will surpass the former glory. In verses 10 through 14, we are now in the ninth month, around the 24th day. Haggai starts a conversation with some priests about ritual purity laws. You can go back and read about those in Leviticus 10, verses 10 and 11, and Deuteronomy 17, verses 8 through 13. Um, Consecrated meat doesn't make all that it touches holy, but uncleanness does make other things unclean. Um, To touch a dead body was to become unclean. And then all you touch becomes unclean. And he says that's what's happening with the temple. In verses 15 through 19, this ritual impurity, he now says, is in the past. Their obedience is now going to result in blessing. In verses 20 through 23, he has another message on the same day the future blessing that is promised to them includes a cosmic upheaval in which the Davidic line represented by Zerubbabel will regain its place on earth as God's vice regent. God's kingdom will stretch from the new Jerusalem to the whole world. There's mention of a signet ring. A signet ring is the authority, the symbol of your authority to conduct business for the one the signet ring represents. It's kind of like power of attorney or a proxy would be for us. Their obedience has a global impact and a key role in God's plans for the future. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, verses 26, um, the author of Hebrews uses Haggai 2.6 to remind Christian believers of their future, of the end time, and that shaking of the cosmos, that cosmic upheaval. Even Haggai probably doesn't picture a catastrophic natural event. It's more that the shaking of the powerful kingdoms of the world, the way it shakes everything up, um, that God will do what seems right now to be impossible. So again, I apologize for going through um, the two chapters of Haggai uh, back to back instead of getting it all meshed together, but I had two sources of information that I was finding it hard um, to weave together. And so that is the brief but important book of Haggai. (laughs)